I am talking to you today on the subject of fasting, and I'll title it as such, fasting. We're talking about fasting, and I want to start off with this verse, which says in John 16, verses 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, talking to them about him uh, having to suffer on the cross, and his resurrection, and he says to them, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So there are many things that Jesus did not even share with the disciples while he walked with them for three and a half years. He walked with them for three and a half years and did not run out of things to say. And with their rapid growth, seeing signs and wonders, they were not an emotional, at an emotional state yet to even receive deeper things from God. These are people who walked daily with Christ in his presence every single day, privy to all of his miracles, all of his private speeches, and yet there were things that they could not bear. So I find it strange that people say, I don't, know, I don't need to go to church, I already know. The disciples didn't. Nevertheless, Jesus said, there are many things I want to tell you, but you are not ready to bear them. The Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit will remind you of these things. It's, it's a lot like math. There are two things that very, help very much in explaining spiritual things. It's school, maths for one, and the gym. There's nothing like the gym. It just works very well. But maths, it's, a lot of people are upset with God because they don't have the results that the Bible speaks of. They don't get the practical manifestation of the promises of the Bible like they ought to, and they blame the teacher. It's like you being in a math class and still not able to do maths and blaming the teacher for it. You have to be there and lean into it and follow the every single step of the calculation to get to the end result. And if you don't know that you can't grasp maths well, it's not the teacher's fault because she is not doing the calculation you are. In the same way, it's not God's fault if you don't get the result that he promises in his word. It's not God that is not speaking. It's us that's not hearing. God doesn't have to speak louder. I have to hear more carefully. If you get a phone call and you're in a nightclub, you can't hear the person on the other side. You can do whatever you want. You won't hear what they have to say. They might hear you slightly, but you'll never hear them. You have to walk out of the nightclub and stand outside where it's quiet. And most often you can't hear God's voice because there are so many voices and noises in your life that drains out his voice. How do we get to a place where we can hear God clearly? We pray often for instruction and believe that when we make the choosing, God did not speak. What if he spoke but you never heard? What if he spoke but you were so busy with being busy that you didn't hear his voice? Today I want to lean into a topic that I think has an answer to much of our problems, which is a spiritual discipline that is very much neglected in the body of Christ. Something that most Christians haven't got a cooking clue about. And should you speak of it, would call you a cult. Should you speak of it, they would call you weird. Should you mention these words, fasting, they would call you an extremist. How would you do those types of things? Our Christianity has been so, here's the word, bastardized. It has been so diluted like weak oros, 
to suit everybody's taste that it's lost its taste. Fasting, the Bible never promises that the journey, it talks about the suffering Christ and the suffering of the saints. But our Christianity has become a thing that has got no suffering in it. There is no sacrifice. And I want to submit to you, there's no worship without sacrifice. You're not worshiping if there, if there is no cost. You're not really married if your marriage doesn't have some effort in it. In the same way with Christ, if there is no sacrifice in your service of him, you're not serving him. If there is no sacrifice or cost to it, is there any value in you bowing the knee? There are too many people that so easily bow the knee because there's no cost to it. And they do so for the earthly and carnal rewards. We have to talk about fasting because I want to submit to you that is one of the spiritual disciplines of the Christian that has not gone out of fashion. Because the word has gone, not, not gone out of fashion. We'll have to talk about it. So do you understand that fasting begins early in the Bible begins with Moses who received the commandments from God after having done a 40-day fast. 40-day fast. When we read stories like that, we automatically, I haven't done a 40-day fast. I know a few people, one or two, that has done 40-day fasts. I want to tell you, don't do it. If you are not directly called by God and he hasn't sent Angel Gabriel to whisper in your ear, you'll die. And my understanding is Moses did a 40-day fast from water and food. So which tells you it's supernatural. It's not something that he don't do that. You can't do that. You won't survive three days without water. And, and, and the only other person that I know in the Bible that did that, uh, the 40 day fast without water is, is also Jesus. I don't know if he's the only one, but Jesus. Moses received the, 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 the law after a 40 day fast and Jesus instituted the new covenant and began his ministry after a 40 day fast. So these are two, two people. And when we read that, we put that on a shelf of unobtainable. These are people that we are not like. We are not supposed to do it that way. And physically, we cannot. And for that reason, we isolate fasting as something that, that was done, shouldn't be done by us. It's for history makers like Jesus and Abraham. That's also not correct. But you have to understand that Peter fasted when he received the New Testament message to the, to the Gentiles. Peter was busy with a fast when Jesus showed him a deeper revelation. This is the same Peter that walked with Jesus and only heard about the grace towards Gentiles in a revelation that he received after fasting. You have to understand that Daniel in the Old Testament fasted to shut the lion's mouths. Daniel in the Old Testament. The Bible is wroth with people who fasted. It's not just one or two individuals here or there, an, an event that took place now and then. All of the major characters in the Bible, you could put fasting next to their names. It says in Acts chapter number 13, it says, Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. When they had fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate. There are too many people placed in ministry without the accompanying Holy Spirit saying so. And we can't hear the Holy Spirit say so, I believe, if we have not been in a place of prayer and fasting.
Paul and Barnabas were placed in ministry because there are leaders who fasted before they did so to ask God, should we and how should we? The word for fasting used in this portion of text, when you look at that word for fasting, it's the word nestus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but this is how I read it. The word nestus in Greek means hungry and fasting. Those are the translations of it. And, and in religious terms, it means to abstain temporarily, albeit temporarily, from nourishment and food. Now, the basic word, Nestus means one who has not eaten, who is empty. So when it says they were fasting, it means they were not eating, they were empty. It means the word means unsatisfied. Food, when you are fed, you feel, say, I feel satisfied. Food, going without food, leaves you feeling unsatisfied. That is one of the meanings of the word Nestus. It's the intentional abstention from food on religious grounds. It means to be hungry and without food, being without nourishment, to suffer hunger. That is what the word nestus means. Now, I don't want to do this, and this is maybe a little bit of a detour, but let me, let me do it anyway. In Leviticus 16, verses 29 to 31, it says, This shall be a statute forever for you, in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. And put that verse up there, 16 verses 29. You shall afflict your souls. That's a tough word. This shall be an lasting. Now he is talking to the Hebrews. He's talking to his people, the Israelites. It says, on the tenth day of the tenth month, you shall afflict your souls and do not work at all. But the word afflict your souls means not afflict your flesh. Afflict your souls because you are trichotomous. You are a spirit that has a body, that has a soul that lives in a body. You are spirit, soul, and body. And it says the word there, afflict your souls. In Ezra 8.21, I'm going to go quick if that's okay. You can re-listen to this uh, at a later stage and get the notes. I proclaim a fast by the Ahava River so that we might humble... The word humble there is the same word used for afflict your souls. It's the word anna in Hebrews. So that we might humble ourselves, the same word used for afflict your souls. In Leviticus it says, you shall afflict your souls. In Ezra, we might humble ourselves. So to humble yourself is to afflict your soul. To afflict your soul is to humble yourself because it's the same word anna. So in the context, it says there, I proclaimed a fast by the river, by Ahava River so that we might humble. So what humbles, what afflicts your soul? Fast. So the word anna, which means to afflict your soul, is to humble your soul. It is done by fasting. I called, I proclaimed a fast so that we might anna, afflict our souls. I said that to say, what a fast is not. A fast is not you hurting your flesh. Many people say, and when we say we are going to fast, people would come with the, the, the saying that why do you want to hurt yourself? And super grace preachers would say that we're in a dispensation of grace. You're not supposed to, by merit and by works, obtain the favor of God. I agree with them that we are saved by grace through faith and faith alone. 
We are not saved because you are a good person. But the affliction there is not of your flesh. So fasting is not you trying to hurt your flesh. So when you abstain from food and your body becomes sick, that is not what was the intention of abstaining from food. The problem is not God wanting you to hurt your body. I'm not holding, withholding food from my body so that my flesh can be hurt. And by hurting my flesh, I can say to God, look at how I hurt myself to hear from you. That's not what God is intending with fasting. Because then he would tell you to fast water too. Because there's nothing that will make you as sick as quick as just leaving water alone. If God wanted you to hurt your flesh, he would have told you, don't drink water. It's not about not drinking water or hurting your flesh. It's about getting to your soul person. Your soul is the problem. If you listen to the preaching of, of Paul in all his letters, he spoke, he spoke. Yes, he did speak back then. He spoke, still speaking today, that there is a fight between your flesh and your spirit. This fight is for in, to be in control of your soul. When your soul is so full, it's very easy for your flesh to have its way. So we have to do some further study into this. What is a fast not? There are many news articles and, 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 and research done on the subject of fasting where people fast and don't eat a breakfast or a lunch and they eat later during the day because your body goes into a certain state, which is healthy. There are people that are great proponents of, fo uh, uh, of fasting in the uh, nutritional world that says after a couple of days of fasting, your body begins to repair itself. It's a, it's a good thing. Some people suggest you do a seven day fast twice a year for, for health reasons. You'll be a completely different person if you can do that. Spiritual fasting is not that. It is not a diet. If you want to lose weight, eat less. Don't take fasting and have this hidden agenda of wanting to lose uh, uh, some weight and hide it under the spiritual banner of fasting. Fasting is not for you to lose weight. You might lose weight, you'll survive. You'll be okay. I think it's harder for the guys that's on steroids. If you're not, you're fine. Fasting is not something only leaders do. Something, fasting is not just for leaders, it's for everyone. It's something believers do, not just leaders. Fasting is not just for leadership, it's for all believers. I want to, I want to tell you why. Let me find the verse in Matthew 9, 14 to 17. You can put that on the screen as well. John's, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often. So the notion that you fast once a year is also out the door because in the New Testament people fasted, including the Jewish people fasted often, but the disciples do not fast. They said to Jesus, uh, John's disciples, no less, it's not just average people. John's disciples come to Jesus. How is it that the Pharisees often fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answers them. How can the guests of the bridegroom how can the guests of the bridegroom, we have this parable about the, the wedding banquet, the 10 virgins that talks about the five foolish and the five wise virgins, the five foolish who had the oil, uh, didn't have oil and the five wise. You are counted in those group of virgins. You are the guests to the bridegroom. 
So he is not talking to the 12 disciples. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He makes the statement, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The question is, why are they not fasting? He says, how can they mourn? How is he connecting mourning with fasting? How can the guests of the, he, he connects mourning with bridegroom. So the mourning is the desire for the bridegroom. The bridegroom is with them, therefore there is no mourning. They're not yearning for him because he is with them. This gives us an insight into why we fast. Are you paying attention? I'm going to go deep very fast. You've got to pay, be awake. They are, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? Tells us why we are fasting. So when the bridegroom is not with them, there is a mourning for him. This mourning is manifest in them fasting, abstaining from food, not filled, not satisfied. He is not with them. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they, who's they? The guests. Who's the guests? You and I. Then they will fast. What are we fasting for? Yearning for the bridegroom. We are fasting for him to come. Yes, but we have full revelation of them. No, we don't. He says, you are hard of hearing, having ears not hearing, eyes not seeing. The stubbornness of our hearts drowns out the voice of God. No, we don't. Although we are under grace, we are saved and on our way to heaven. Some hear and some don't. He says, he will bless you 30, 60 and 100 fold. There is divisions in the blessings of God in your life. He rewards us at different levels. Why? If we all have, by grace, the same access. So he says there will be a time. That time is the period because there is the consummation of the wedding, and, and, uh, which has not yet come. But there's the, the bridegroom and the bridegroom coming towards the wedding. There is this gap between the two. Jesus' death, which is salvation that has arrived on the earth. And the, the consummation of that marriage when Jesus returns. Between his death on the cross and his return, the second coming of Jesus. That gap in between, the bride is not with us. The bridegroom is not with us. It's that period of time that he says, then they will fast. We are now in the period when they will fast. We're not in the period when the bridegroom is with us. We have him, but we have him not. If we had him, do you think the suffering would be the, like it is in present? It's not. We don't have him. We'll fast when he is present. Uh, we'll stop fasting when he is present. For now, there is, we're in this gap. He's telling the disciples. So John's disciples ask, why is he not fasting? Because I'm with them. But when I go, they'll fast once again. That's why Paul was set apart when the leadership fasted. They fasted. Make sense? Fasting, therefore, is not only for leaders, it's for all believers. It's not to hurt your body, it's to deal with it. It says in Psalm 69, I want to read this to you. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. When I wept and I chastened my soul with fasting. You deal with your soul man. Your soul man is your, your thoughts, your intelligence, your intellect. Your needs and wants happens in your soul person. When you don't chasten your soul, 
your soul will drive your flesh and your soul will drive your flesh away from God. It is not the spirit man that says, I don't want to go to the church. I don't want to submit. I don't want to be in a congregation. I want to do Christianity by myself. It's your soul that says so. It is your soul that wants it. So we have to understand that food and the strength of your soul is connected. It's amazing if you, if you begin to, to study these things. He says, um, I don't want to, I want to skip that. Let me skip that. Let me skip that. Who should fast? I told you already. All believers. Who also fasted? He says uh, in 1 Peter 2, 21, he says, Second chapter to verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus Christ fasted. He fasted before he was set into ministry. He fasted because Moses fasted. He fasted. Now Jesus is also called the second Adam. That we have Adam and Eve. Everybody knows the first Adam, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve was in the garden. Adam and Eve is in the garden. You could go to Genesis chapter number three for me, please. Adam and Eve is in the garden. And the whole thing, the whole fall of mankind happens when what happens? When Eve and Adam has a meal. Pay, pay attention. The whole world is made subject to sin when what happens? Now the serpent was more cunning than all the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Has God said you shall not eat of every tree. In other words, what your desire is, you should have it. Did God limit your desire? Did God really say that? Next verse. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. This, I think, is where fasting begins. He told them, fast from that tree. Stay hungry for that tree. Do not be filled and satisfied by that tree. Do not be nourished by that tree. Because the moment that tree nourishes you, something happens to you. The moment that tree fills you, something happens to you. It's not the event that takes place. It's the, the desire for it, which leaves, makes you leave a desire for God. Let's read it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat, that the eyes uh, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. When the, when, when the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. God puts, put five things in your body to connect to your soul. Your eyes, it's the, the eyes is the, the way to the soul. What does the Bible verse say about that? The windows to the soul, is it? The eyes is the windows to the soul. You, you have sight, you have hearing, you have taste, you have feeling, smell. All of these senses speaks to your soul. One of them is taste. It was desirable for the eyes and good for food. She wanted to taste it, it was desirable for her. It spoke to her soul. 
God said no. And because she could not handle the desires of her soul, the wanting to eat, she, said she was in opposition to God's command. That makes sense? So this is where this whole thing starts. This is why Adam and Eve is in the garden and they lose creation's authority because of hunger for food. That makes sense? So we have the last Adam, which is Christ Jesus. He gets put in the, uh, the, the, the wilderness for testing. Let's see if I can find the verse. Um, Genesis 3. Genesis numbers. No, it's not that, not that, not that. Where is this? In Matthew chapter number four, put Matthew chapter number four on there. Matthew chapter number four. And Jesus is now, the Bible calls him the last Adam. You, you can go and find the verse for that. He says, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He is the last Adam. So it's, it's, it's theologically correct to say that Jesus, like the first Adam, had to be tested. His obedience had to be tested. When was he tested? While in extreme hunger, he says he was, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. So this hunger then turns into the temptation. Verse three. Now, when the tempter had come, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, leave that verse there. So as the first Adam had to say no to the tree and could not, Jesus was fasting 40 days, hungry in the wilderness, isolated and by himself, like Adam and Eve in the garden by themselves. Adam, the last Adam by himself stood there. He said, if you are the son of God, Adam was the son of God. If you are the son of God, if you are doubt, did God say, if you are doubt under his hunger, he is tested with doubt. If you are the son of God, speak to this rock, turn it into bread. And in this hunger, having submitted his flesh in fasting, uh, his soul, afflicting his soul by hunger, humbling his soul, being obedient to God. He says to him, man shall not, it is written, it is written that man shall not be, uh, be, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, why would he, ha what, what happened is we, we started fasting. Uh, when you start fasting, you'll notice much like exercise. If you start fasting, your body doesn't wait three months to get hungry. Why does he use that equation? Your body doesn't wait three months to get hungry. How long does it take for your body to get hungry? The moment you realize you're fasting. Most mornings you can eat by nine o'clock. You're happy with that. The day you're fasting, you wake up with your stomach going like, let's eat. I want to eat now. Is that a cookie? Give me, I want a cookie, cookie, cookie. I want a cookie. You've never, when you fast, you can fast a day. And tomato sauce juice would be an enticing offer. You'd say, no, give it three days. Your stomach gets hungry immediately. He says, you shall not live on bread alone. Your flesh needs bread like that. In the same way, we think that our spirit man doesn't need God daily. We, we, your body gets hungry immediately 
But we think our spirit man can go from Sunday to Sunday. You feed it once a week. Try feeding your body once a week, see what happens to you. But why is Jesus not answering my prayers? He is, you're just not hearing him. Your, your stomach's shouting at you, eat, 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 eat. And you have not submitted, you can't hear him. You're praying, Jesus, I want direction. He's telling you. But he has to compete with all the voices that you can't quiet down. The moment you begin to fast, you deteriorate. It's same with exercise. Your body, you can go on a two-week December holiday, come back, your fitness level's gone down. Same with our spirituality. We can, we think that we stopped reading the word for two weeks and we can jump back in February again and it doesn't affect you. You lose what you had. You think you, when you start again, you get to the same level that you left. Your, your exercise doesn't start at the same level. And when you build your body back up, it doesn't start at the same level. You, you take a couple of steps back. And every time you neglect your Christianity. So for a New Year's resolution, how about not quitting? If Christianity, spirituality is your commitment, why would you stop every week? People ask me, are the cell leaders only for a term or a year? Why would you do it for a term or a year? It's a lifetime thing. If you become a U-group leader, you can call it U-group leader, cell leader in another church, wherever you're at, you're always serving God. Yeah, but I'm just taking a week off, sabbatical. Yeah, okay. I don't think the devil's taking a week off. Take a week off from eating and see how that works out. Okay, so you, you got that. Where were we? So we, we jump on to the patriarchs, and we get to Genesis chapter number 25. Jump there for me to verse 27. And the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home amongst the tents. Isaac, uh, verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, vanished. Vanished is another fancy word for hungry. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm vanished. Sounds like an Englishman. That is why he's also called Edom, because of the red stew. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? So Esau lost his birthright for food. Talking about fasting. Esau sold his inheritance because he was hungry. Don't let the devil make you hungry without your choosing. Fasting is you choosing to become hungry for God. It's you saying, I'm putting my flesh aside and I have a hunger towards God. He says, look, I am about to die. Esau said, what is good is this birth? I'm about to die. And when he said, okay, so it's better for me to eat than to die. And when he put it on the scales, he would rather eat and not die than maintain his birthright. And God, the Bible says in, in I think Hebrews, and God hated Esau. I think God hated Esau because he gave up what God gave him for food. The same as Adam and Eve. They gave up what God gave them for food. We can go through the Bible stories like these. I mean, you have, have Hannah 
who is Samuel's mom. And she would be mocked and ridiculed by her uh, husband's second wife. And the husband would give her double portion uh, during the time that they would go to the temple. And the, the, the second, uh, was it Penina? Who would mock her because she was without child. And she would mock her to the extent that she would stop eating. Her husband would say to her, why are you not eating? Which means she was fasting. She was fasting. God answered her after her fasting with a child, Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. The story jumps on, you can jump to Esther. Esther gives you, I'm not gonna read it to you just in, in, in the interest of time, but Esther has this guy, Elkanah. Is it Elkanah? No. What's the dude's name? Mordecai and uh, I don't remember his name, the bad guy. The evil guy. And Esther is now uh, in the palace and he finds out that, I want to read his name. Esther 4, um, Hannah, uh, Haman. 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 <laughs> My Haman wasn't Harman. Harman is like um, Mingles. Krut. Krut Hara. And Mordecai says to her, don't think that you're in the palace. And if you neglect your people now and don't step up to what God has called you to, don't think that you'll escape. God's not going to let it be. God will raise up a solution. But before Mordecai, when Mordecai heard that this was happening, Mordecai fasted. Esther heard that Mordecai was fasting. Send him a set of clothing because he was full of ash. He was fasting um, with prayerful and with ash and sackcloth. And he couldn't go into the palace to go call her because you can't go through the palace gate if you have uh, in ash and sackcloth. And she heard it because he was fasting. So his fasting got her attention. The right people in your life, because you're fasting, God will get their attention. Got her, his attention. He came out, she came out, sent him a transit He said to her, don't think you'll escape this. And so what, here's what she said. I need to read you this. She said, in every province to which the edict and the order of the king has come, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. This is where Mordecai fasted. Then verse 15, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews, not just the leaders, all the Jews in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. Now, and here is a direct instruction not to eat or drink. Fast for me, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Here is, here is the difference. I'm going to fast to afflict my soul, to humble it and tell God, because God says, I draw near to the humble. I resist the proud. So I will afflict my soul. I will humble my soul before God. God will draw near to me. And even if I die, I'm still going to do it. Where Esau says, I'm about to die, I won't do it. I'm about to die, I can't do it. Esther says, Esther says, not so with me, even if I have to die. Now, the guy, her fasting and the people's fasting, it was a call up for the whole community to fast with them. With this call up to fast, 
this uh, Haman, I'll never forget that name again. Haman was hung on the trap he set for Mordecai. God turned it upside down and Haman was hung on that same thing. That's an amazing thing to me that there are so many stories in the Bible of people who fasted. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Fasting, he says um, in Psalm 35, verse 13, yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and I, humble, I humbled myself with fasting. It is a clear thing to humble yourself with fasting. And when my prayer returned to me and answered, it goes on, you can read the rest of that. Psalm 69 says, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I want to read to you one more portion of text, then I'll stop. Let me see if it's on here. Matthew 17. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on me and my, uh, mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and he has suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation. That's a radical statement. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. You couldn't drive it out because you have so little faith. It's amazing that we pray and nothing happens. Maybe Jesus' answers echoes into 2024. It doesn't happen because you have so little faith. How do, what is a cure for unbelief? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I want to submit to you that maybe you're not hearing the word of God because maybe you're not humble enough. I want to say this too, and I want to say it because we're here now. I don't think you humble when you criticize people. You're arrogant and self-righteous. When you find fault with everything, you're self-righteous. You think you have arrived at a position where you can offer an opinion. Humble people, shut up. You don't hear a humble person go like, I know better. Hmm. He says, because you have unbelief. Surely I say to you, you have faith. If you have faith, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And there it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer, prayer, and fasting. This kind. So what is a cure for unbelief? What is a cure for you speaking to a mountain and it not moving? Prayer and fasting. These two things goes hand in hand. He said, this is how you fix your unbelief. You pray and you fast. Because fasting is humbling your soul. It's you putting aside the desire for food for a moment, saying, God, I have a desire for you. Now the Bible is full, and let me give you some pro tips on how to fast. I don't think you should start a 21-day fast if you've never fasted in your life. I don't think you should do that. I don't do that. I think start with a one-day fast. That is, a, we call it a 6 to 6 fast, but it's not a 6 to 6 fast. Don't wake up before 6 o'clock and have breakfast. 
if you have this much food, you'll be fine till about 12 o'clock. That's not fasting. Stop fasting like that. The night before, eat your last meal, go to bed, sleep, and eat the next day after six again. Now, if you're sitting there watching the clock, I've done this myself, watching the clock. It's six o'clock, give me a cookie. Just calm down. Calm down. It's almost six o'clock. You can get the cookie now, little cookie monster. You need, to, you need to fast more than that. Until you get calm with not eating. It'll hurt. It'll hurt, but it'll not hurt your flesh. Jy gaan nie, niemand dood? Van kry was dood. You're not going to die when you fast food for a day. If you then go on, I don't think you need to fast every single week. That's not healthy. There are preachers that said they fast Mondays and Fridays. Every now and then fast during you group. The, the early church fathers in the New Testament, early church fathers, they went as far as to say, because they continued with fasting as if it's a normal exercise and a spiritual discipline of all believers. We lost it at the 20th century. We lost it. We completely lost it. We don't fast. It's stupid. We have grace. It's false. I don't think it's true. Because why? If you say you don't have to fast to move God, why are you praying to move God? Is praying not an, a discipline that's difficult? If you're telling me you pray an hour easy, self-righteous, I don't believe you. The same effort that goes into prayer, why not fasting? Because we think it's fleshly work. It's not work. But the early church fathers went as far as saying during the fast that even someone wishing to be baptized should fast. Not just those baptizing him, but the person baptized. Because you're emptying yourself. You're saying, God, I'm denying what is a desire to me. Speaks of my life that from now on, I'm dead to desires and sin. That I want you to move in my life. It empties yourself out. It's a physical manifestation of what you mean to happen spiritually. Maybe when you fast before you get baptized, saying, God, fill me. More people will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we only put that to leadership. We don't fast. Fasting shouldn't be when the church calls you up to a fast. Every time we have an issue uh, that's too hard to handle and we're not getting results, I enter a fast. When Rico, my son, was in hospital, I was as skinny as they come. I weighed 75 kilograms. I wasn't this well-built athletic machine that you see right now. But Rico was sick and he was in hospital. And all I could do, hoping against hope, was fast. I would fast a day on, one day off. One day on, one day off. Five weeks is a long time to fast. And I fasted and prayed. And I don't know when or how or what happened. A lot of people pray. I'm not saying it's just me. But we prayed and I fasted. And Rico's out of the hospital. His lungs completely healed. He's never had a lung issue. He's had many other issues. But breathing wasn't one of it. <laughs> there are many reasons. All of our leadership has fasted, has stories to tell. From all of the leadership has stories to tell. From Pastor Wilbur through Louis. Louis has done 21 day fasts. Uh, I don't think a water fast. A water fast. That's nasty. Our, uh, when you're fasting, and you fast one day, three days, there are many different days. You can fast two days. Be prayerful about it. Ask the Lord, what should I do? Rather, commit to something that you know you're going to commit yourself to.
then say seven days and you fast three because then you feel like a failure. I don't think God counts you as a failure. I know God knows that you tried and you put all the effort in. Don't quit, try again. But if you put a day in, date in that you think this is what you're gonna do, you do that. You abstain from food. People are asking me, should I just wear dresses and a hat now because women without wearing a head cut. You're leaving food, everything else stays the same. You go to the work. Your body will take the excess fat in your life. Some has reserves. <laughs> and turn that into energy. You, I've gone to exercise while fasting and done better exercising while fasting than done having had a meal before. Your body uses what's in it. You'll survive. Um, I don't think if you're on a 21-day fast, go exercise the first week, go to CrossFit. I don't think you should burn your excess energy just like that. Spend it prayerfully. Then also, it doesn't help you resisting food the whole day, but thinking about Jesus is the last thing on your mind. Jesus wants to talk to you. You go like, not now, I'm hungry. <laughs> the focus is Jesus. You're still leaving food to pray. You're not leaving food to leave food. Then that's a diet. <laughs> you're trying to pray. So when you are not eating, spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Maybe the times you would have, you're at the office, you can still go to work. Then if you get headaches, you don't need a medical letter going like you're fasting, please give him three days off. You're normal, life is normal. What gets hurt is your soul. That's the only thing, your flesh has gotten, you're like, my flesh is dying, my flesh is dying, your flesh is not dying. When you get a headache, it's not a demon, it's just, Withdraw symptoms and toxins in your body. It's, it's uh, detoxing that's happening. You're fine. Day later, you'll be fine. Uh, yes, you'll be okay. So you leave food out. Can you drink something? I think if you take six bananas, five raspberries, and a pizza, and you blend it. <laughs> rather eat, man. That's just... that's. I don't think that's 100% fasting. I think if you're having a thick smoothie, you can bite it. That's not easy. I think I'm fine because we're fasting food. In much of the examples, it's fasting from food. Although they didn't have Red Bull in the day. I would, I would have no issue with you drinking fluids. Um, because you're not trying to hurt your body. If you're going on a 21-day fast or a seven-day fast, I would even be fine if you had um, like uh, a slow mag. I don't have it, but if you're drinking that slow mag and you can't wait to get into bed to have a taste of a slow mag, rather take a slow mag tablet then. If you're supporting your, your body, is not, you're not trying to get your body sick. You're trying to abstain from the desire for food. That's what happens to you. So I have no issue if you drink a cup of coffee, but if you, this time around, mix it with condensed milk, and you put in cream as milk, that's a different story. It depends on what you want to do. Jensen Franklin has a very good book out on the subject of fasting. Now, I very seldomly tell you to listen to another pastor, but the book is very good. He says it about half as good as I do, but um, I'm kidding. But you can read the book if you're really interested in learning more about this. Read the book on fasting. It's an ebook. get it and read it. But as long as your focus on your spirituality is changed because you learn that you should be a person that you have this tool called fasting to draw close to God, why would you not use it? We are, so uh, again, if you have a cup of coffee, I have no issue with it. If you have 15 cups of coffee, that's not, 
that's not the point. If you have 15, because your stomach's gonna get full after 15 coffees, it'll suppress the hunger and you'll feel like you're, you're covered. That's not what you're supposed to do. Drink water. If you need to, drink a cup of coffee, drink a tea. Uh, I have, if you have thinned out juice, not you have grinded up the whole lemon, orange, lemon in Afrikaans, <laughs> lemon in English is something completely different. They changed everything. They call it football, but you don't kick the ball. We're not there. This is not an English class. <laughs> you grind up the whole orange, and the thing is that you, you, you barely can swallow all the thickness of it. That's not fat. Thin it out and drink the orange juice, maybe. Thin it out with water and put it through a sift if you have all the things in there. That I have no issue with. Um, there is people who... Are, we spoke about this. Uh, I agree with it, that people are extremely addicted to social media. And I did say that I don't think you fasting Facebook is really fasting. But I think if you're doing a one-day fast, put down your phone. Tell yourself, I'm just taking phone calls and see how that hurts you. The point is still food. So I don't think you can replace fasting with putting down your phone. But I do think if you're fasting, and being prayerful, putting down your phone for a day or two days, not gonna hurt you, it'll be helpful to you. All right, you good? Let's pray. Father, I pray for this church as we are entering a fast that we believe you called us to for a week saying, God, we are putting aside food. We are humbling ourselves before you and saying, God, would you speak to us? In all our ignorance and flaws, in spite of our sins and stupidity sometimes. Would you please come and speak to us? We are hungry for you. We wanna hear you speak. We wanna hear your voice in our lives. We wanna have your direction and follow it. Come Holy Spirit, draw close to us. Give us direction for the season that is ahead. Give us answers to prayers and reveal secret things to us. Open our ears so that we can hear you. Help us, Holy Spirit. See Jesus on the throne that he is seated on. Help us put him in the highest seat of our lives. Come Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.